This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Amanda Delheimer. In celebration of our relaunch of the podcast, we are presenting one podcast a week for the month of October, leading up to our first annual Story Soiree on November 2nd, 2017 at the Flower Firm here in Chicago. Starting in November, we'll release podcasts bi-weekly on the second and fourth Fridays of each month. Whether you are new to Second Story or a longtime listener, we have curated the first four stories that we are presenting in this relaunch around who Second Story is as an organization, what our mission is, and what we value. Our first story, the story you're about to hear, specifically speaks to Second Story's mission. As an organization, we believe that stories are what bind us together, and that storytelling allows us to build spaces where we can imagine the kind of world we want to live in, a world driven by empathy. Today, we bring you a story lived and told by David Wagner. It spans galaxies and celebrates the power of stories to overcome barriers and build bridges. This story is about Star Wars, Dave's time as a soldier in Afghanistan, and how those two very different wars collide in an example of the transformative power of storytelling. We are incredibly proud to relaunch our podcast by presenting David Wagner. Dinner began in a small, dirt-walled courtyard in a forgotten valley of Afghanistan. Looking through the open roof at the men pulling security above me, I saw we had about an hour left before the sun would dip behind the peaks of the Hindu Kush mountains towering to the west. The locals wouldn't allow the burqa-clad women to join, but about 15 men and boys were assembled, squatting and staring in pajama-like clothing, zipping light jackets up to protect against the March chill. My men and I stared back. A group of 17 sweat-stained and overgeared airborne infantrymen. We had been trained to jump out of planes and kill, not act as ambassadors or diplomats. It was like an awkward wedding dinner where nobody spoke the same language. The food was simple. We shared bowls of vegetables, sour, slightly curdled goat milk, non-like bread, and cringed at the greasy, oversalted goat knuckle. I noticed Sergeant Smith and Private Cook whispering and laughing in the corner while I struggled to chew the cartilage-like meat and picked wiry goat hairs from my teeth. A bearded older man approached me with something in his hand. The soldiers standing near him quickly moved away when they saw what he was carrying and directed him to me, a green 24-year-old second lieutenant platoon leader. It was a fucking goat testicle! presented like a fine Swiss chocolate. It was oblong, a bit larger than a ping pong ball, but more squishy. An honor to receive and eat in this valley. I choked it down, muffling a gag. In a few moments after eating the testicle, I, trying to keep it down, I casually excused myself from the main group, making as though I needed to check the men guarding our perimeter from the roof above the courtyard. Sergeant Smith noticed and joined me as I started walking toward the stairs. Hey, sir, did you ever see Reign of Fire? <laughs> the dragon movie? I asked as we climbed. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the part where they acted out Star Wars for the children? Private Cook and I want to do that tonight. But none of that Jar Jar Binks bullshit. <laughs> You gotta be shitting me. You wanna act out scenes from space movies. 
For people who don't speak English or know that we went to the moon, fuck yeah, sir. It'll be awesome. Remember when we arrived in the valley the other day and I told you I was scared shitless about getting shot or getting the men killed? That I didn't know what I was doing? Well, I still don't know what I'm doing. But if we'll be staying at the fire base for a couple of weeks so close to these people, we can't have them attacking us. So we should do this right. So we surveyed our defenses and looked out at the valley around us. Smith's words took me back to when we first flew into the valley in a Chinook helicopter, hyped up on bullshit and lying to each other about wanting to get our kill on. We had all been scared. Smith was the only one brave enough to admit it. And he was right. Tonight was uncomfortable, partially because it was so unexpected for us to be sharing dinner with the locals instead of kicking down their doors or shooting it out with them like in Black Hawk Down. We weren't trained for this. On the way back down the stairs, stopping just before we entered the courtyard, I turned to Smith and said, all right, let's do it. And I agree, no fucking Jar Jar. <laughs> Stooping through the miniature door to the courtyard, Smith shouted a flurry of commands to our men. Cook joined him in a brief huddle to discuss the makeshift production, removing body armor and layering it on Smith, adding elbow and knee pads, a helmet with night vision goggles, and other gear, making him look like the army version of Darth Vader. <laughs> A raised area on one side of the courtyard became the stage as my men helped the locals move chairs and pillows to the other side for seats. As people finally settled in for the unexpected show, in a language only we understood, it was the perfect shade of twilight where you can still see, but the details are all a bit blurry. With the first stars starting to appear, Cook looked up to the heavens and began. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It was a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil galactic empire. Pursued by the empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. Smith made a grand entrance through the too small door in full gear and helmet, towering over all of us. <laughs> Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans. Join me. And that is exactly what it was like. Unbelievably, the villagers joined in. Even though they only spoke Pashtu and had never heard this story, they started mimicking the sounds that we were making and engaged us on a personal level. You know how a young child will discover how to do something new and then have to share it separately with every other member of the family because it's so exciting? That is how these boys and men acted with us, especially when it came to the sound effects and voices. <laughs> As the show continued, Smith and Cook, acting as Vader and Luke, raced up the stairs to stand above the audience along the edge of the courtyard roof. They faced each other, silhouetted against the sky, and turning on their high-beam flashlights, began to duel. You have learned much, young one. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Join me, and I will complete your training. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side. Smith stalked slowly forward as Cook cowered in a corner. 
Cook hid his hand in his sleeve and had an excruciating expression on his face to indicate that Luke's hand was cut off by Vader. Luke, I am your father. Now, I don't really remember any particular physical action that could have conveyed the meaning of Smith's words, but somehow, as Smith said that, the entire village gasped in surprise. (laughs) As the show ended, some of my men walked around the courtyard passing out unlit glow sticks. Drawing them from imaginary sheets, they cracked and lit them, making lightsaber swooshing sounds, waved the lights through the air, creating arcs of color as darkness finally descended. The kids lit their sticks and began chasing us and each other, imitating the lightsaber sounds, dueling with us, becoming a part of our story. As the Star Wars battle ended, a man and boy separated themselves from the group and waving a headscarf like a flag signaled that it was their turn to share with us. As I watched the man and boy perform a scene of their life and the animals around them, I didn't realize that our two-week stay at the firebase would extend over two months because our leaders would forget about us. Unbelievably, our unit was removed from the map that tracked all units in Afghanistan (laughs) until we finally got the attention of the leadership for a resupply run. But the whole time we were there, our base was never directly attacked, while other bases in the region were attacked daily by rockets and gunfire. I think it was because of the stories, music, and life that we shared with the locals. About a week after we left the fire base and returned to our unit at the main base at Bagram Airfield, as is all too common in the military, our replacements would determine we got soft and became too friendly with the villagers. They would get their kill on, going door to door in the same valley, kicking down their doors, interrogating and roughing up the locals, taking their weapons, many of which we gave them, to defend their flocks from warring tribal factions. That violence led to retaliation to rocket attacks against the firebase, to blood, lost limbs, and for the Americans, purple hearts. But my war was different. We weren't supposed to be ambassadors in villages along the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan. But somehow these stories, shared in the heart of nowhere, were able to break down boundaries and bring us together despite the war. That night, as the performance in Pashtu continued, The man and boy began to dance and laugh together in the circle of glow sticks that remained from Star Wars. Two villagers accompanied them on an old Russian oil drum and a delicate reed-like flute. I looked around the circle and saw Smith, Cook, and my other men interspersed among the villagers. All of us were gathered together, smiling, bobbing our heads, connected by the power of story. This story was curated by Amanda Delheimer, directed by Jessica Kadish, with music and sound design by Jazzology. The Second Story podcast is produced by Liv Oaf. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts Grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts and Business Council of Chicago, the Illinois Arts Council Agency, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Amanda Delheimer, and this this is the Second Second Story Podcast.